Well, there's no doubt that 2020 came in like a lion. I can only pray it goes out like a lamb. What a year we have experienced in a matter of months. Have you ever just taken the time to sit down and jot out everything that's happened since the beginning of this year? Just since the beginning of this year. I want to give you a fly-through in a matter of two minutes. Let's see if I can hit it. All right, three, two, one, go. On January 7th, the first case was announced by the World Health Organization of a virus that would sweep the world causing a pandemic. COVID-19 was its name. The first life was taken on January the 11th. Therefore, from that point forward, it would spread throughout the world, shutting the world down, changing our lives clearly to this very moment. On January the 8th, Two Iranian missiles, uh, ballistic missiles attacked U.S. bases, but that wasn't enough because eight days later, the impeachment trials for President Trump began to be only the second president in my lifetime that to be impeached by the House only to be saved by the Senate. And that all happened in the first month of the year. Before the month was out, Great Britain left the EU. Brexit finally took place. Not as big for America, but big on a global scale. On February the 16th, Burkina Faso was attacked whenever 24 Christians' lives were taken by jihadists moving into their village and mowing them down. The stock market took its largest fall in 32 years on March the 16th. On March the 24th, the Summer Olympics were postponed one year. That's the first 100 days of the year. I'm not going to make the two-minute marker, but let's keep going. Uh, Easter was postponed, or whatever you want to call it. Churches voluntarily closed their doors and did not meet on April the 12th. First ever, ever, ever in known history of, of Christianity that the world shut down on Easter Sunday. George Floyd was killed in the streets as an arm, unarmed black man and on, on May 26th that led to riots sweeping across the world and has caused a conversation around race that's probably needed to happen for a long time. But it was on Jan July the 2nd when in Myanmar 172 people were killed by a mudslide. But I promise you, you probably didn't read about that in your papers or the news or anywhere else because there were too many other things going on. But it was July the 4th when Kanye West announced that he was running for president that I thought the world has caught to come to an end soon. It is craziness, right? Some of this is going on and I'm thinking, am I living in a fairy tale? Is the apocalypse happening right now in front of me? I can't make sense of this. Some of this is, has caused such stress and turmoil in our lives. I'm wearing my yellow band from last week, and I encourage you, if you were with us last week and worshiped with us, what a day that was. Our next one is August the 9th. Put it on your calendar. I'm wearing this as my prayer band. I'm praying every day for our nation, for an answer to COVID-19, for an answer to the race uh, fighting, to, to, for wisdom in our political arena, for, for world peace. Oh, that we would have a peace on earth and goodwill to men. Because when I look out there, I do not see a lot of that. And whenever I look at the scriptures, I see that's what God's called us to. He's called us to peace. If you have your Bibles open to the book of James, James chapter 3 and 4 will be in James chapter 3 verse 18 to chapter 4 verse 10. It kind of covers a span of two chapters. 
And we're looking at James, and we've been looking at James, if you will, because James is written to a church that was dispersed, chapter 1, verse 1, because of persecution. We're a church dispersed because of a pandemic. Not exactly the same reasons, but still we're dispersed. We're not coming together. How do we listen to James? Listen to James through that filter, but also listen to James as a pastor at times and also as a prophet at times. Because even though they weren't coming together, in fact, the fact that they weren't coming together tended to divide the church. He, in chapter 4, verse 4, literally calls them adulterers. He says, you adulterers. He was being very prophetic at that point. He was getting in their business and saying, guys, he goes on to say, friendship with the world creates enmity with God. And if that wasn't enough, he said it once and he comes back and says it again, two times for emphasis in the same verse. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Listen, if the last person I want to be an enemy with is God. But what had happened is the church in James's time had began to come cozy and friendly with the world systems, the world political systems, the world... Uh, thought processes, the materialism, the, the morality of that day. We need to make, make sure that we as a church, we as followers of Christ, do not give in to that temptation. It causes friction. It causes division. It creates an unrighteous nation. We talked about a few weeks ago that righteousness exalts a nation, right? Remember that? We are aiming to be right with God so that we will do right in our lives. Being right leads to doing right. Being leads to doing. And being right with God is so critically important. That's righteousness. Doing right, that's righteousness. In fact, in James chapter 3, verse 18, in the same passage we're looking at today, he says, a harvest of righteousness. Oh, that's what I want. I want to see a Grace Point full of righteousness. I want to see a Northwest Arkansas full of righteousness. I want to see an Arkansas full of righteousness. I want to see a righteous harvest, a bumper crop. How do we get there? He goes on to say, is sown in peace by those who make peace. Sown in peace by those who make peace. Jesus even challenges us in His words. He says, God blesses those who work for peace. What James does here in this passage is he asks two rhetorical questions to try to help us understand what is it going to take to have peace. And what he points out is that there's two roadblocks to peace. I want us to look at these two roadblocks to peace today. Because if we have peace for people, sowing peace in the world, then we'll have a harvest of righteousness. Remember that. Keep verse 18 in the forefront of your minds because that's literally the, the, the key phrase that lumps the rhetorical question number one together and rhetorical question number two together if you're looking in your Bibles. And so let's look at the roadblocks to peace as we look at this passage today. Roadblock number one, when noise drowns out wisdom. James throughout his writing talks about wisdom. From chapter 1, now we're in chapter 3 and 4, he's talking about wisdom. Again, remember, James is the book of Proverbs of the New Testament. He is talking about wisdom. When the noise of this world drowns out the wisdom of God, we're in trouble. What do you do? you got to 
mute or turn off the noise and you've got to turn up the wisdom of God. That's what we've got to realize. In this world, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of clamoring. There's a lot of know-it-alls out there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of bandwagon people who think they have all the answers. Uh, there's a lot of social media uh, jargon going around and platforms going and experts and on life and politics and history. Listen. If you're tired of the noise, if you're tired of uh, the news outlets, if you're tired of the know-it-alls, if you're tired of the rants, in the comment section right now, would you just raise your hand? Because I'm raising all hands and feet right now. Because I'm tired of the noise. I'm tired of the division. What James points out is there's a wisdom in this world that's really not wisdom. It's just noise. We've got to turn off the noise and turn on the wisdom of God. That's going to take tremendous amount of discipline on our part. But whenever you look at the passage, look in James chapter 3 verse 15, this is how he describes the wisdom of this world. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, it is unspiritual, and it is demonic. That is how he describes the wisdom of this world. The clamor, the fighting, the, the, the bickering, the, the know-it-all, the, the, the blasts that are out there, the bullying that's out there, the racism that's out there. That is not the wisdom of God. That's the wisdom of this world. And it's demonic and it's unspiritual and it's earthly. If you go back to verse 13 or verse 14 and 16, he gives us what qualities there are, okay? What is the wisdom of the world? What is the wisdom of God? Well, the wisdom of the world, this is what it looks like. But if you're bitter, jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast of the falsehood of truth. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Disorder and every vile practice. Did you just read the news headlines? Because there's a lot of disorder and there's a lot of vile practicing going on in our world today. There's a lot of selfish ambition. There's a lot of bitter jealousy. There's a lot of false truth. Hashtag false fake news. There's a lot of that out there. That is what James says is the wisdom of this world. Contrast that with the wisdom of God. You look at verse 17. It says, but the wisdom that is from above, not the wisdom of the world, not the world that is, de- not the wisdom that is unspiritual, not the world, that, the wisdom that is demonic, but the wisdom that's from above is pure, is peaceable, is gentle, is open to reason. Just let that sit there for a moment. The world's wisdom is selfish, ambition, is bitter jealousy, is false truth, is vile practices, is disorder. The wisdom of God, what is it? It is pure, it is peaceable, it is true, it is gentle, it is open to reason, it's full of mercy, it's good fruits. It's impartial. It gets out of the party phrase, the party lines. And it is sincere. I, I, I just want to challenge us to make sure we're listening to wisdom. 
The way you're going to listen to wisdom is you're going to mute the world's wisdom, the world's thoughts. Where I'm looking forward to this fall being in the book of Proverbs. You've heard me say that already. I'm just kind of keep teasing you by throwing some Proverbs out there. Well, this is what Proverbs is. We're going to spend 40 days in prayer and fasting. And I can tell you right now, one of the ways I want us to fast is I want us to mute. I want us to turn off the sounds of this world. I'm literally going to challenge you for 40 days to fast from social media. I'm going to challenge you to fast from Fox News. I'm going to challenge you to fast fast from CNN. Turn off the chatter and the clamor and the fighting and the, and the bickering of this world and tune your heart into God. You're going to have to turn off the wisdom of the world and turn on the wisdom of God. This is what Proverbs says about wisdom. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, in justice, in equity. That's what wisdom is. Righteousness, justice, and equity to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to youth. What if we raised up a generation of youth that had discretion, knowledge, wisdom, prudence? Let the wise hear and increase in learning and let the one who understands attain guidance and understand a proverb. That's what Proverbs is. That's in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. That's how Proverbs are. That's the wisdom of God. It gives prudence. It gives guidance. It gives knowledge. It gives discretion. It gives justice. It gives equity. It gives righteousness. The key word that marks a godly nation. See, James talks about wisdom from the very beginning of the book. James chapter 1, verse 5, if you remember that, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, Let him ask of God. It requires self-awareness to say, I've been listening too much to the world and it's time for me to listen to God. So we're talking about roadblocks to peace. One is whenever the noise drowns out the wisdom, you're going to have to turn off the noise of the world to turn on the wisdom of God, okay? Choose your voices. The second is when passion triumphs over principle. Remember I said that there are two rhetorical questions that James asked. The first one, he asked, what's wisdom and understanding? And then he talks about the wisdom of the world and the wisdom uh, of God. But the second question that he asked, he says, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Why is it that when stress goes up, we fight? Why is it that when difficult days come, we fight? why is it that we fight and quarrel amongst ourselves? And then, again, rhetorical questions. He says, is it not this that your passions are at war within you? See, one thing that I've learned in my life, and I've learned in dealing with a number of marriages, is that most people don't fight over principle. They fight over their passions. They don't fight over what's right and wrong. They fight over what my desire is versus what your desire is. And whenever we fight, and what James is saying is, why do we fight and quarrel among ourselves? Is because we're driven more by our passions than we are by our principles. 
And whenever you're driven more by your passions, then nobody can stand in the way of you. You're going to get what you want. Whenever we are driven by our passions, we become a different person. We will spend more than we, than we, than we make. We buy things we, we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like because that's how we live in America because we're driven by our passions. We, we live in debt. Uh, we, we, we do things that, that will compromise our character. There's so many examples I can give whenever we live by passion instead of by principle. When you live by passion, you're driven by the desires that are in us and not by the principles of God. Uh, whenever you think about that, I think back to reading Augustine's Confessions, this, literally the journey of his own faith journey, an early church father. And this is, listen to the way he describes, the words will appear on the screen. Listen to the way he describes the battle of his own desires within him. He says, bodily desire, welling up within me, exuded mist which clouded over and obscured my heart. A mist which clouded over and obscured my heart so that I could not distinguish the clear light of true love or the murk of lust. Love and lust together seed within me. In my tender youth, they swept me away over the precipice of my body's appetites, plunged me into a whirlpool of sin. So descriptive. A mist clouding over the heart, unable to see the difference between lust and love sending his body into appetites that plunged him over into a whirlpool of sin. What's he talking about? He's talking about whenever we're driven by our passions. What causes quarrels among us, James says? It's whenever our passions are at war within us. We need to look deep inside of our souls. We need to see what's driving us and not ask the question, what do I want? But why do I want what I want? The why behind it. Because if we're not, we'll be driven by our passions. In verse 2 and 3, he picks it up and he says, your desires, because again, if you are driven by your passions and not by principles, you desire and you do not have. So what do you do? You murder. You covet and you cannot obtain it, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You, you, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly and you spend it upon your own passions. See, what we have to realize, the war that is on the outside is only a manifestation of the war that is on the inside. We will not be see a harvest of peace, a harvest of righteousness until there's people of righteousness and there's people of peace. And when there's peace in our hearts, then we are driven by principle and not by passion. We are living more for what God has given out there as parameters to live by. Again, if I can quote from Proverbs again, Proverbs 23, verse 10, he says, don't move the ancient boundary markers. See, these are the principles of God that God put in place for us to boundaries, if you will, or guardrails, if you will. Don't, don't move them. Live by them. Don't move them. 
Live by the principles, not by your passions. Think back to Adam and Eve. They were living in a beautiful garden. Our mother and father were born there, were created and put in this garden. They had every tree, every plant, everything was theirs. Everything was theirs to 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 to, to tend and to care for and to and to nurture. It was all theirs except for one, one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they had everything else to their, to, to, to their liking. But what was tempted of them? Would you like this one tree? Satan offers it to them, begins to get them to question God and doubt God, pushes them forward in their passions and away from the principles. Because a principle would say this, build a fence around that, don't even look at that, walk away from that, run away from that tree, don't even look at that tree. But they begin to be driven by passion and not by principle. And you see it happen in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw what happened, that activated a passion inside of her that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to her eyes. She starts living by passion again and that the tree was to be desired. To make one wise, she took the fruit. Just let that sit there for a moment. Was she a person of principle or a person of passion? She was a person of passion. Desired, saw, looked, took, we have got to understand that if we're going to be people that bring peace to this world, we're going to have to be people of righteousness. And that means we're going to have to live by principle and not by passion. We're going to have to listen to the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of this world. How do we do that? Because it says in verse 6, God opposes the proud. See, people who are, who are live by passion, they're people who are marked by pride. It's about me. It's about what I want. It's about what I deserve. It's about what this world owes me. That's not the way of God. The way of God is principle. How do you get back into living a life of principle? What James does at the last part of chapter 4 where we're focusing on today is he in rapid fire succession gives about 11 imperatives. This is what it takes to get back on track. Maybe one of these applies to you. Maybe all of these apply to you. But I want to in rapid fire fashion give you verse 7 and verse 8. Read it with me. Submit yourself to, therefore to God. Resist the devil. He will flee, flee from you. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In rapid-fire fashion, he tells us how to become people of principle, people listening to wisdom. Jot them down. Number one is get out of the driver's seat. He says, submit yourself to God. If I'm going to be a person of principle, if I'm going to listen to the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of this world, I've got to get in and let God drive my life. Submit yourself to God. Number two, silence the lies. Silence the liar. Silence the lies. Resist the devil. Now notice this, that we are called to put the devil in his place, but we cannot put the devil in his place until we put Jesus in his place. 
We cannot be over Satan until we are first under Jesus. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. You don't resist the devil, then submit yourself to God. You submit yourself to God, resist the devil. Then what's the result of that? He will flee from you. He will flee from you. Then the third thing he says, he says, draw near to God, which I want to say to that, nurture your relationship with God. Nurture your relationship. Draw near to God. So submit to God. Resist the devil. The devil will flee from you. Draw near to God. That means nurture that relationship. I love the promise here because he says, if you draw near to God, what does God do? God draws near to you. You draw near to God. God draws near to you. What are you doing in your life? How are you nurturing that relationship with God? How are you giving God pauses in your life, in your day to really connect with Him? To really intentionally connect with God. Draw near to God. What will He do? He will draw near to you. And I want to say this. He says, cleanse your hands. Remove the dirt. Remove the filth. If COVID-19 has done anything, it has caused me to wash my hands, wash my hands more in one day than I did in a week. I'm constantly hand sanitizing. I got hand sanitizer on my backpack. I got hand sanitizer at my desk. I got hand sanitizer in my car. I go in any building. If there's a hand sanitizer, I sanitize my hand. Every time I go to the restroom, you'll be glad to know I wash my hands. So, I mean, I'm constantly washing my hands. Well, what does James say? He says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil. He will flee free from he will flee from you. Draw near to God, cleanse your hands. And then he says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Realign your heart with God. Get back on with God. Wherever you've gotten off track, where have you got off track? Get back on track. Realign your heart with God. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. James likes that phrase. He uses it in chapter 1, verse 8, when he talks about a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You don't want to be a double-minded person. What James does here in chapter 3 and chapter 4 is he calls us to be people of peace. To be the agents, the farmers, the, the ones who are out sowing peace so that there can be a harvest of righteousness. We will not see a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness exalts a nation. We will not be a great nation. We will not be an awesome nation until there's righteousness. And we will not see that until there is a people of peace sowing peace in the community. And as long as we're listening to the wisdom of the world and not listening to God, as long as we are living a life that is not pleasing to Him, living a life of passion for ourselves and not a principle to God, we'll not be living a righteous life. I want to ask you in your life and your relationship with God, what is it of verse 7 and 8 that you've gotten off track? Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God. Have you stopped drawing near to God? Have you stopped that time with God? Have you stopped that worship of God? Has the past months of us not meeting quelched your worship for God? You no longer are worshiping God? Listen, my friends, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands and purify your heart. 
If you'll do that and live that way every day of your life, you'll be living your life as a life of principle. You'll be living a life listening to the wisdom of God. Wherever you're at today and wherever, you're, wherever your soul is right now, would you just bow your head with me? I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that even as you think about your own soul, where you're at with God and your relationship with God, that you will be a person who God can lean on and trust to be a leader of peace, a sower of peace in this world of chaos. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I need you. I want to submit to you. I want to resist the devil. I want, I want, I want to draw near to you. I want to connect with you. Pray through verse 7 and 8 and just pray it out loud to God. And then tell us. We want to know. We want to walk with you. Text GPC Connect to 9700. Let me pray for us now. Father God, we bow before you. And I ask that you'd help us to turn off the noise as we turn on the wisdom of God. Help us, Lord, to delineate between the noise of this world and the wisdom of God. Help us, Lord, as well as we look into our souls. Why do we quarrel? Why do we fight? Is it not because of our passions? Lord, may we be men and women of principle, driven by principle rather than by passions. Lord, help us to not be taken captive any longer, but that we would submit to you. We would resist the devil. We would draw near to you. We would cleanse our hands, our lives, our feet, our ears, our eyes, wherever's dirty, Lord, cleanse it. And that you, Lord, would purify our hearts so that we would not live a double-minded life. Lord, do your work in us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.